I'm going to preach to you from the book of Colossians today. We um, are doing a, a two-week mini-series. So last week it was it's the passage of um, one Col- Colossians chapter three, and we split it up where the first part of that passage talks about putting to death the old self, and the second part of that passage, which we're going to look at, we're going to look at today, is looking at putting on the new self. Um, and as I was so as, I, as I was preparing this. Um, <laughs> I got reminded of when Andy Cthulhu is here, when, when he did the 10k run in the Power Ranger suit. Anyone remember that? Anyone see the picture? Yeah? Fair play, That's, that is brave. Um, skin tight, <laughs> but he did it. And the reason for that is, I like wardrobes. Yeah, for those of you who know me, I like, I like to organise my clothes in different colours, different aspects of socks on one side, t-shirts on one side, shirts and... I like it. I just like a bit of order. Right? I think it's God-given. So, I'm going to argue that. <clears throat> but some of you may be sitting there thinking, you got time to do that? Mine's just in a bag. Or, you know, other people say, mine's also colour-coordinated. So, it really varies in the kingdom where you order and how, how you look after your wardrobe. <laughs> the reason, there is a point. <laughs> Fashion is a very, very big deal in this day and age. And I met some of you work in that industry. Um, it speaks a lot about a person. It shows a lot of the identity. Um, sometimes people use fashion to hide certain insecurities. Some people use fashion to stand out, to be heard and to be noticed. So fashion is a massive influence on us as a culture to dress a certain way and to be a certain way. And sometimes the way you dress affects what you say, affects how you talk, affects who you're around and how you act. It's a very big influence. Personally, I can't keep up with it. I just, I just can't. Um, ironically, everything I'm wearing is bought by myself, but usually my wife Lena buys fashionable stuff for me. And I like it because I don't know I could look good in that. Um, but I'm more about the comfort and the familiar, actually. And sometimes when I dress the kids, they come out and Lena's like, it's like a rainbow. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, but it's wet, so they've got rainproof. It's cold, so they've got jumpers on. It's just practical, but it doesn't always look good. <laughs> now, if you're anything like me, you'll be glad to know that in the kingdom, things don't change that often when it comes to uh, fashion. I'll explain. So God's got a wardrobe. Did you know that? It's got a wardrobe for the saints, for believers. And in that wardrobe, what was relevant and what was in and what was stylish in the first century is still relevant in and stylish in the 21st century. Amen? Yeah. Probably thinking, what am I amening? Um, well, here's, here's, what, here's what you're amening. If we bring up the passage, uh, the first slide... <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. And I'll help you break it down to what this wardrobe for God's saints look like through this passage. So if our Susie Atwood should come up and read for us. She's got a lovely voice. Give her a round of applause. Thanks, Susie. Yeah. Okay, Colossians 3. Uh-oh. There we go. Thanks, Tom. Um, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that, that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, uh, will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Mm-hmm. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have now put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks, Susie. So using this passage, I've tried to break it down to four different compartments. Again, that's that order thing. Um, And I'm going to explain to you what those four compartments are and just talk you through how actually every single one of them is relevant because they they represent Jesus and it's actually Jesus' wardrobe and is what he wore. So the first compartment in the wardrobe is love. The second compartment is peace. The third compartment is thanksgiving. And the fourth one is the word of Christ. As I said, these are characteristics that Jesus had, that he carried, that he represented, and that he did by example to us. Let's look at the first one, love. So verse 12 and 13 is nicely wrapped up in verse 14, where it says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So if you think of your clothes, it's the buttons that, Put yourselves together, it's the cufflinks, it's the belt, it's what holds everything together. And all of these characteristics that list, as listed in 12 and 13, is actually wrapped in love. The reason we can do that, the reason we need to put this garment on, the garment of love, is because God first loved us. If we remember last week, we looked at the first four verses, it talks about who we are in the present tense. As children of God. And that picture that Louis brought is amazing. Actually, is we can only do that and we can only experience God's love through Jesus. Because he died for us. And it's rightly so that we put on that garment that Jesus put on. And how he demonstrated love. Because it was very powerful. And these 
characteristics, I like to call them garments, is very similar to the passage in Galatians 5, which will come up, which is the fruits of the Spirit. And it's this. Nicola? <laughs> Thanks. Another one? That's it. Um, is that all there is? Sorry, guys. Doesn't matter. Ah. Yeah, it's on a memory stick. Yeah, no, no worries. I'll find it on the, um, on the book. It's going to take me a bit longer. Sorry, guys. I'll tell you what. It's going to take too long. Let me get the app. Galatians 5. Yes, please, if you could... Oh, there it is, I just got it. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are garments, characteristics. These are things that Christ wore and demonstrated through love and through his love for us. And in that, in that Colossians passage, towards the end of verse 14, it says, which binds everything um, together uh, in, perf- in perfect harmony. And I want to use, use an illustration that Jesus did himself. Sorry, I... Kind of got sidetracked uh, a little bit. Bear with me. There we go. So in verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. The illustration I wanted to use is one of forgiveness. Now, what's incredible is in the kingdom, when God forgives, he doesn't just forgive and stops there. He restores. There's restoration. One example is when Peter, one of his disciples... Rejected Jesus is when Jesus just had been caught um, and had been arrested, and he's in this synagogue and he's about to get slaughtered. People turn around to him and said, "Hey, this guy knows him. But aren't you uh, his friend?" He's like, "No, I don't know him. I've never seen him before in my life." And he does that three times, and he walks away just really disheartened. And then in John chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen. To 17. Does it come up? It's not there. Chapter 15. It's there. Okay. Yes. Thanks, Nick. This is, just to give you a context, this is Jesus has died and has been risen. And he's got a certain amount of time on the earth where he's just met different individuals, different groups. And the disciples actually are on a boat. And they're coming to the shore. As they come to the shore, they see someone there just started a fire. And as they get closer, they see Jesus and he started breakfast. It's a brilliant picture. And what's happening is they have breakfast and then Peter and Jesus go for a walk. And this is where we pick this up. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, that's Peter, said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And as Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. He rejected him three times. God restores him three times. Beautiful, beautiful picture of how God works and how Jesus, and what Jesus does in our lives. So you can see these are characteristics that Jesus showed through love and through how he loved us. So, first compartment, put that garment of love on that ties everything together. Second, peace. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body. Romans 5, verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. We have peace with God. And what that means is the peace that it's talking about here, it's like a tennis match where there's the umpire, he says... What he says is what goes. He has the final say. And this is the kind of ruling that this passage is talking about. Let that rule you. Let the peace of God be the, be the thing that has the last say in your life. And if we also look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Because we have peace with God, we are called to be peacemakers with others. Alright, so one example that Jesus showed is when this woman, who was adulterous, um, got found out, was getting stoned. Um, I won't go into too much detail with these kids. But it was a pretty horrific situation. She was just helpless, everyone was surrounding her, and then comes Jesus, and he just draws a line. This is if you have not sinned, throw the next stone. If you've never sinned, and everyone just backs off. He says, you're a sinner just as well as she is. And he just breaks it. It's just he brings peace. The amount of times I've stopped fights in the middle of the street. Lena's sometimes, what are you doing? Why are you stopping? Why don't you? I was like, someone's getting beaten up. As soon as I run over, why do I, why do, I do that? Because God has called me to be a peacemaker. And I go and I just say, hey guys, break it up. So God's called us and it's sometimes it's challenging situations where we need to bring peace just like Jesus did. So that's the second compartment, peace. Put that on. First was love. And then it's peace. <clears throat> Third compartment. Love it. It's quite subtle in the passage. In verse 15 it says, at the end of it says, and be thankful. Man alive. That's a big one to just hide. Um, thankfulness is a huge thing. There's a, a scripture that I've got in one, this, um, actually no sorry, in Luke 17. If we can get that Nick. Huh? Okay, no worries. Luke 17. Sorry guys.
be easier if I explain it. So in Luke 17, there's a passage that, um, where Jesus rocks up and he sees ten, ten guys who are very, very ill. They've got really bad, it's called leprosy in the Bible, it's really bad skin disease. There's just no hope for them. And then Jesus comes in and heals all ten of them. He heals them and he says, right, off you go. Out of the ten, only one runs back. Just one. And he shouts, thank you Jesus for healing me. And he believes. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Now go. Only one. So one naturally, quite unthankful people. <laughs> yeah? We get, we get upset, we get annoyed when we don't get what we want. But we don't get it in the way we expect to get it. Or we don't get the quantity that we know we should get. It can cause a lot of nuisance in us. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. I won't bring it up, don't worry. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, Give thanks in every circumstance. And that's our command as believers. As we put this garment on, we are to give thanks. And just as that one individual did, the reason he gave thanks is because he had faith. I mean, you could give thanks. Don't get me wrong. You could just say it. Actually, when you give thanks to God, there is a meaning to it. There's a heartfelt condition where God's done something. We, We too easily forget that. We forget to be thankful. Close yourself in complete attitude of thankfulness. Put that garment on. The amount of times Jesus gave thanks. We do it as a family. When we have a meal together, we always give thanks, regardless of who's there. We always give thanks. Very important. You with me so far? Yeah? yeah. Yeah? Final compartment. The word of Christ. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now what's interesting, in this setting, believers in the church, they didn't have access to a Bible like we do. They didn't have an app on their phones. What what they had was what they heard through uh, teaching and preaching. Um, And they had it through... Yeah, you know, there was, there was the scribes and the animal skins where the apostles had rewritten scripture from, you know, centuries and thousands of years ago. But they didn't have regular access to it. So the way they reminded each other and the way you memorized scripture is through singing. It's the easiest way to try and remember stuff, I think, is singing. So they sing over one another. Encouragements, hymns. They use the book of Psalms, which is all songs written by a guy who just absolutely adores God. And he's just written over you know, 150 songs. It's incredible. So they sing it over one another. And the word dwell says, let, it, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Imagine you're a house. Right? You can imagine that. The word of God isn't a guest. And you may say, oh no, it's a very welcome guest. I treat the guests with utmost respect. Best seat in the house. The best plate. Best cutlery. Treat like a like a superstar. 
that's not what this passage is saying. Where it says, let it dwell in you richly, the word of God needs to be a tenant. It needs to be, reside in the house. It needs to be part of the family. It's not something that comes and we have a massive barbecue, we have a well of a time, and then it goes again. No. It's a part of the family. It lives in us. And it needs to dwell in us continuously. So we must be acquainted and familiar with the word of God. And then finally, whatever you do in word or deed, so it's an action, whatever you do, it's an action. In word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through Him. Now you've woken up in the morning, you've had your cup of tea, and you're like, oh, finally awake now. You've gone to your wardrobe, took your pyjamas off. Right, let's put these stuff on. Love, peace, thankfulness, word of God. And at the end, I don't know about you when I get changed. I have a glance at a mirror, make sure nothing sticking out funny. You have a glance and the idea is when you look in the mirror, you don't see yourself. You see Jesus. Because, like we described through his blood, we've been forgiven and we've been called holy and we've been called beloved. The idea is that we see him, not ourselves. And the only way we've got access to this incredible wardrobe, this this wardrobe of these garments that aren't ours, but we are invited to wear and called to wear. The only way we've got access to it is through Jesus. His work on the cross, his death and resurrection on the cross has enabled us to have this incredible inheritance. This favour, this forgiveness that we, we encounter, that we sing about again and again. It's through that that we're able to call ourselves His chosen, His holy ones and His beloved. So there it is. Heaven's wardrobe for the saints. Beautifully woven from the hands of a divine tailor. Each one of these garments were worn by Jesus. And He longs to see you wear them. He longs to see you wear them. words of C.S. Lewis dress up as Christ today I'd like us to want to call the band up I've just got a few prophetic words that I want to share with you I believe God wants to speak to a few individuals here today um, so if we can stand and be still before God thank you God I believe one of the things that God wants to address is that when I was talking about fashion and what we should wear and how we should look God just gave me a word identity and I believe God wants to restore people's identity today there's confusion there's misunderstanding, there's hope put on things that aren't of God. I believe God wants to 
rectify and realign your identity because you are his child you belong to him and you've been saved through his precious blood of Jesus he paid a great price for you he's not going to just let you slip he wants to restore he wants to restore thank you Jesus I also believe that there is there are individuals here who still have their old self tucked away underneath and have done all they can to hide it and God's just saying do you know what the cracks are starting to show take those off come on put them aside lay it down put it to death God's calling you because he wants to restore he doesn't want to just take it off and leave you there he wants to restore. He wants to bring life. And he wants to. He wants you to know what it's like to live in Christ. To be carried like a baby in a sling. He wants you to know that closeness, that nearness. God's heart is yearning. He's jealous to just meet with you. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it's alive today. Thank you that through your spirit you bring it to us and you, you shape and you change us. Thank you, Father, for the Bible. Thank you, God, for your Son. And I just want to pray that as we take bread and wine, Lord, that we're able to come before you and remember to give thanks for all that you've done for us, Lord. Actually, when you died on that cross, Jesus, it wasn't just like, yeah, it's another day. No, it, it was stressful, it grieved you, it was painful. But you did it because for the love that was set before you, you endured the cross. Thank you, Lord.